designers and curious minds. Ever wondered about the stories hiding within your building's walls? I'm Carrie Seaburn, structural engineer and host of Unstruct, the podcast that decodes and simplifies major concepts of structural design. Behind the math and physics, structural engineering simply predicts building behavior. Join me as we simplify the complex, making structural design accessible to everyone. Nowadays, instead of measuring it via cost, we're saying, well, what about carbon, you know? We've got two levers now that we can, if if an architect has an inefficient design, we can hit them with two levers if you like. (laughs) The official casualty figure is 55,000. Everybody I talked to told me that the actual figure is at least three times as much. And I believe that. I mean, seeing what I saw, Turkish codes are good and, and they have been improving, but compliance was completely lacking. Fluent in steel, concrete, masonry, and timber design, I'll bring you leading engineers to dissect the tails behind their building structure. Whether you're an architect, contractor, engineer, or just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Yeah, beam penetrations. That's a fun topic on this project. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Unstruct. From within your walls, hear the story behind how your building stands today. The way she was able to create a business that would propel her to millionaire status before women were given the right to vote in this nation, and the fact that she's still being talked about more than 100 years later is simply amazing, especially given the fact that she was a Black woman born in the South in 1867. Welcome to Tangible Remnants. I'm Nikita Reed, and this is my show where I explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. I'm excited that you're here, so let's get into it. Welcome back. This week's episode is a solo episode where I'll be talking about an actual tangible remnant. You know, a historic building that left a mark on the built environment and helps tell the story of people who came before us. As a framework for this episode, I'll start with the building and then elaborate on the legacy of the historical figure behind the building. The show notes for this episode will be full of articles and resources, so if you want to go down the rabbit hole of historic research, I'll be sure to leave you some breadcrumbs. Head over to our Instagram account, at Tangible Remnants, to see photos of the building and the main historical figure that will be discussed. And once you're there, If you click on the link in bio, it'll take you to our link tree where you'll be able to sign up for our newsletter, access resources, and connect with me. It's a great one-stop shop for all things tangible remnants. So I'll give you a couple clues about this tangible remnant so you can see if you can guess the building or the historical figure. Here we go. The historical figure's great-great-granddaughter wrote a biography which served as the inspiration for the fictional Netflix series featuring Octavia Spencer and Tiffany Haddish. Before reading the biography, I was familiar with the historical figure that commissioned the house that I'll talk about. Just as many Black women who've ever gotten a perm or relaxer are likely familiar with her. In reading the biography and learning more about the historical figure, I was surprised to learn that contrary to popular belief, She did not make hair straightener products, but actually made hair grower products. All right, you have a guess? 
Well, I've given you a number of clues, and many of you may already know the person that I'm talking about. So let's start with the building. The tangible remnant I'm talking about today is located in Irvington, New York, and it's called Villa Loaro. This three-story, 34-room mansion and detached carriage house sits on three and one-eighth acres overlooking the Hudson River. It was built in 1918 and is 20,000 square feet. Villa Loaro is located in the Hudson Valley, just three miles from John D. Rockefeller's mansion, Kaikut, and was commissioned by America's first self-made female millionaire, Sarah Breedlove, a.k.a. Madam C.J. Walker. She hired architect Vertner Woodson Tandy to design the mansion, and he was the first African-American architect registered in the state of New York and also one of the first African-Americans to become a member of the American Institute of Architects. He was born in 1885 in Lexington, Kentucky, and trained under Robert Taylor at Tuskegee Institute. He graduated from Cornell in 1908, and through his architecture firm, Tandy and Foster, he designed a number of notable buildings, including Villa Loaro. Villa Loaro was nominated to the National Register of Historic Places in 1975, and the nomination form was prepared by Lynn Gomez Grave of the Afro-American Bicentennial Corporation, an organization started by the DeForest Brothers. The building was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1976 for its architectural significance and association with Madam C.J. Walker. It was then named a National Treasure by the National Trust for Historic Preservation in 2014. Alilia Bundles is Madam C.J. Walker's great-great-granddaughter, and she wrote a book entitled On Her Own Ground. And here's a synopsis from the book for your reference. Quote, the daughter of formerly enslaved parents, Sarah Breedlove, who had become known as Madam C.J. Walker, was orphaned at seven, married at 14, and widowed at 20. She spent the better part of the next two decades laboring as a washerwoman for $1.50 a week. Then, with the discovery of a revolutionary hair care formula for Black women, everything changed. By her death in 1919, Walker managed to overcome astonishing odds, building a storied beauty empire from the ground up, amassing wealth unprecedented among Black women, and devoting her life to philanthropy and social activism. Along the way, she formed friendships with great early 20th century political figures, such as Ida B. Wells, Mary McLeod Bethune, W.B.E. Du Bois, and Booker T. Washington. Unquote. Imagine earning continuing education credits while doing exactly what you're doing right now. Well, you can. Gable Media has revolutionized the way you earn your continuing education credits with a groundbreaking approach. Forget running around town and scouring the internet for credit-worthy courses. Fulfill your CE requirements effortlessly by listening to engaging podcasts just like the one you're listening to now. Our podcasts are designed to educate, entertain, and inspire, all in a user-friendly environment. But wait, there's more. Architects, Gable Media is also approved as an AIA Continuing Education Services provider. Upon completion, we handle everything, from reporting your hours directly to the AIA, to storing your certificates in your personal Gable Media profile for your self-reporting needs. So follow the link in the show notes and start earning your credits in the most innovative and entertaining way possible with Gable Media. Want to learn more about the unknown ladies of architecture? Then I recommend you listen to She Builds Podcast. 
where we tell the stories of remarkable women who have shaped the design and construction industries. Hi, I'm Jessica. I'm Nurjiti. And I'm Lizzie. After we graduated from Syracuse University School of Architecture, we set out to learn and share the untold stories of women that traditional school curriculum left out. One day, there's an announcement on campus that women had been seen wearing, quote, inappropriate clothing. Gasp. What the heck does that mean? Yeah, so it turns out that Ruth and her fellow classmates were these women. They had field classes where they're doing welding, forging, and foundry work. And obviously they have to wear jeans to those classes instead of like dresses or whatever else. While Gertie was in school, she wasn't just going to classes, trying to stay alive like some of us. I know that was me in school, just taking it day by day, but not Gertie. She became the president of Evigol, an honorary association of Cornell women architects. Of course she did. These are stories not taught in schools. Women who've molded the world of architecture, construction, and development for over a century. From Jane Jacobs to Ray Eames, She Builds Podcast explores the legacies of trailblazers. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform. Let's fill the gaps in history together. All you have to do is follow the link in the show notes and subscribe and be part of a movement to expand industry narratives. So this biography is what inspired Netflix to make the miniseries Self-Made. And that series has helped made Madam C.J. Walker's legacy more familiar to a wider audience. Growing up, I was familiar with Madam C.J. Walker, but it wasn't until I watched the Netflix movie that I realized that C.J. Walker was her husband, and her first name was actually Sarah. The way she was able to create a business that would propel her to millionaire status before women were given the right to vote in this nation, and the fact that she's still being talked about more than 100 years later is simply amazing, especially given the fact that she was a Black woman born in the South in 1867. And she wasn't just a self-proclaimed millionaire. She's officially recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records for being America's first self-made female millionaire. She grew into a talented entrepreneur with a knack for self-promotion and built a business empire, developing beauty and hair products for Black women. She started out selling products directly to Black women and later employed beauty culturalists to hand-sell her products. Madam Walker trained nearly 23,000 sales agents and workers serving customers in the United States, Central America, and the Caribbean. She's quoted as saying, I am not satisfied in making money for myself. I endeavor to provide employment for hundreds of the women of my race, unquote. She was a generous philanthropist and used her fortune to fund scholarships for women at the Tuskegee Institute and donated large parts of her wealth to the NAACP the Black YMCA, and other charities. Madam Walker constructed her mansion in Hudson Valley as an intentional monument dedicated to her own legacy and the potential greatness that exists within all Americans, but especially women. The name of the mansion, Villa Lawaro, is named after Madam's daughter, Lilia Walker Roberts, later known as Alilia Walker, and was coined by the famous Italian tenor Enrico Caruso, who visited the site during construction. The name comes from the first two letters of each word in Lilia's name. Lilia, L-E, Walker, W-A, Roberts, R-O, Loaro. The building was complete in 1918, 
but unfortunately, Madam Walker did not get to enjoy it for too long as she died in 1919. Lilia inherited the building, but preferred being in Harlem and traveling the world instead of staying in upstate New York. However, there are many reports of parties that she threw whenever she went back to the mansion, and Villa Lawaro is known to be one of the intellectual gathering places for notable leaders of the Harlem Renaissance, such as James Walden Johnson, Zora Neale Hurston, W.E.B. Du Bois, and Langston Hughes. When Lelia died in 1931, the building was bequeathed to the NAACP, which then sold the building in 1932 to a fraternal organization named the Annie E. Poth Home for Aged Members of the Companions of the Forest in America. I hadn't heard of the Companions of the Forest of America, but a quick Google search led me to a 1970s photograph from a San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, SFMOMA, in a series called Our Kind of People, with a caption from someone named Bill Owens that said, The Companions of the Forest of America teaches devotion to the home, respect for other people's religious beliefs, loyalty to the American flag, and obedience to God's commandments. Thanks to this organization occupying Villa Loaro, it remained largely intact for the next 50 years. In the 1980s, the huge trees that originally had attracted Madame Walker to build on this site saved the house from a developer who wanted to demolish it and erect condominiums. Thankfully, a tree ordinance was able to protect the property where the National Register listing could not. Fast forwarding a decade, Harold Dulay, founder of Dulay Securities, the oldest African-American-owned and operated investment banking firm in the U.S., bought and moved into the home with his wife. They remained in the home until 2018. The Dulays did a number of upgrades to the MEP systems in the house and restored a number of rooms. They sold the mansion in 2018, but prior to selling the property, they protected Villa Loaro in perpetuity through a preservation and conservation easement donated to the National Trust for Historic Preservation. The easement protects the exterior of the main house and carriage house, as well as the iconic Monte Level Terrace and the associated landscaping. Additionally, the easement protects important interior spaces and features, such as the parlors on the first floor and Madam C.J. Walker's bedroom and bathroom on the second floor. And this easement requires all future owners of the property to adhere to these protections. Villa Loaro was purchased by the New Voices Foundation in 2018, and the foundation offers women of color entrepreneurs access, capital, and expertise to scale their businesses through funding, networking, and learning opportunities. Although Villa Loaro remains in private ownership, the National Trust for Historic Preservation has organized a planning and advisory team that includes preservationists, historians, and other groups to help the new owner explore possibilities and provide recommendations for the foundation's rehabilitation and future use of the property. This building is such an amazing example of a tangible remnant and a building that reminds us about Madam C.J. Walker's remarkable life and legacy. As this historic residence embodies the optimism and perseverance of her American entrepreneurial spirit. All right, well, that's a wrap on this tangible remnant. I hope you enjoyed learning more about Madam C.J. Walker's Villa Loaro and the legacy of America's first self-made female millionaire. Do you have a favorite historic building, a tangible remnant, if you will, that you would want to recommend? Email me at tangibleremnants at gmail.com and your suggested building just might make it onto the show. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. Links to amazing resources can be found in the episode's show notes. 
Special thanks to Sarah Gilberg for allowing me to use snippets of her song Fireflies from her debut album, Other People's Secrets, which by the way, is available wherever music is sold. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show. And now that Tangible Remnants is part of the Gable Media Network, you can listen and subscribe to all network partner content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Until next time, remember that historic preservation is a present conversation with our past about our future. We don't inherit the earth from our parents, but we borrow it from our children. So let's make sure we're telling our inclusive history. I saw the first fireflies of summer And right then I thought of you Oh, I could see us catching them And setting them free Honey, that's what you do That's what you do to me I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.